0: Good afternoon, Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK, and Sean Carey. In just a second, we'll hear from Steve in the Sunbury Motor Studio, Sunbury Motors Ford Lincoln Hyundai, North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Camp on the Strip Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We invite you to subscribe to our Steve Jones Show podcast. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, and Google Play. Search Steve Jones Show. And once our shows air live here on WKOK, we can drop them right to your mobile device. You can listen to them anytime, anywhere. And you always have access to three months of previous shows. We've got them on our website at stevejonesshow.com. Like us on Facebook. Nice little jump in Facebook lights over the last few days. Thanks for that. So so give us a like on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter, our Twitter handle at stevejonespsu, and our email address stevejones at wkok.com. So we're scheduled to wrap up the NFL season with some conversation with our uh, great friend of the show, Neil Coulong, senior editor of the NFL Wire from USA Today, lined up to uh, join us later. And also, we will begin our wrap up to number one versus number two as the college wrestling epicenter will once again focus on Penn State, Ohio State, and that's in Columbus on Friday night, airtime will be at a little after 8.30. TV coverage on BTN and the longtime wrestling play-by-play announcer on both BTN. And you hear him every March during Nationals on ESPN. Tim Johnson. left we'll Tim Johnson on scheduled for a 4.06 later today. And looking ahead to tomorrow, the radio voice of the Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots, Bob Sochi. Uh, scheduled to join us tomorrow as we make our way through the week. And, of course, we'll have uh, Steve's brother, Kevin Jones, back on the show here on Friday. So another day, another story about Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown, whether it's true or not. A.B. was involved in a January domestic rest- <laughs>
1: Here we go again. I know. Oh god. I
0: sat down, I got to my I'm desk not, well, and was getting ready to have some lunch and it's like, oh man.
1: Now, obviously the issue of domestic abuse is so incredibly serious. But every time you turn around, this guy is involved in something. Now, he wasn't charged with anything, but he's like the epicenter of everything. Ah. Oh.
0: Alleged domestic dispute back in January out of Hollywood, Florida. Uh, Already, Ah. Antonio Brown's lawyer, Darren Heitner, has uh, come forward and says these allegations uh, are baseless and false. It's unfortunate that the media is trying to use distractions like this and prior Mm -hmm. stories in an effort to tarnish my client's name and reputation. We have no further comment. Steelers are uh, aware no, of this no, alleged no. incident. They're gathering information as best they can. But this is the now not one but two legal issues with A.B. in South Florida. Of course, we talked about last spring.
1: Oh, it's a, yeah, that, uh, When look, Brown
0: allegedly yelled that, at security and threw items off his apartment that, that, balcony, almost hitting like a two-year-old it's, boy. It's,
1: it, you know, it's furniture. Uh, God, every time you turn around, he's the epicenter of something. Like, as I said earlier, when it, remember we were talking in December about bonus money and how important bonus money was to him. His personal life is a mess. I mean, how, how many children does he have now? He has like four or five kids
0: to about four or five four, different five,
1: women. Two, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah they,
0: he posted a picture of himself on Instagram last night holding a sword, and he still has a blonde mustache, and it's like... <laughs> what, what are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> I've said that quite a bit here the last couple of weeks about it. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, let's see. What, what other words have crossed my mind? Dolt. Idiot. knuckle Knucklehead. Yambag. You can spell that Y-A-M-B-A-G. And I have two more words to throw in. Cutbait. Just cut bait from this guy. Yeah, you're going to lose $15 million. I mean, you're taking away salary and, and, like you said, some bonus money. So that takes $21 million down to, to $15 million. And just somewhere down the pike, just look for a, a very, very competent wide receiver, and he could be your number two alongside Juju on the other side. I mean, there's just no way he's coming back to that team. There's no way. Absolutely no way. That's all I got for now. <laughs> okay. But cut bait. So you've had enough. Cut bait. I've had enough. And the suit? I uh, since the story broke a little over an hour ago, I haven't uh, I haven't talked to him. He must be busy.
1: No, Let's I was talking about block. whether we should cut. I was. I, was oh. I thought whether we should cut pay with the suit. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs>
0: hey, happy plane ride home last night. Uh, you, uh, you, you, and DJ mentioned on the network uh, that game was ripe for the taking last night. And uh, other than the first three or four minutes that you know Patrick was concerned about, uh, great win for the team. Much needed win.
1: Well, we thought in looking at them on the floor, you know, and you can only you can guess going in as to what you think. Uh but once you start seeing the two teams on the floor, then reality starts to set in as to what the difference is. We felt that ten minutes in Penn State was probably fifteen points better than Northwestern. You're saying, Well, wow, they won by seven. Except look at this in this way. Northwestern got out to a ten to two start. Penn State outscored them 57 to 42 the final 35 minutes. Fifteen points. The uh they didn't shoot threes well last night at all. So they made the decision I don't know, it's just the way it worked. I think it's the way it worked out. But the final seven minutes and seventeen seconds, Penn State did not attempt a three. Everything they were trying to do after that was downhill basketball, downhill basketball, downhill basketball. Can we score inside around the, the cup? Can we get people to the free-throw line? I mean, that was, I think, the the idea going forward. They did get people to the free-throw line. And you'll see the final numbers end up being 16 of 26, but you've got to do the number inside the number. Penn State hit eight of its last Ten which was really important. They hit 8 of their last 10. And that helped put it put it away. Defensively, Penn State was not good just good last night. They were outstanding defensively last night. And they did a good job, for example, with the scouting report. Derek Pardon is a guy that is a predominantly left-handed player. He wants to use that left hand as often as possible when he takes a shot. It's not that he can't play right-handed because he can, but his more comfortable side is the left side. Mike Watkins either individually or at times in a double would force him to his right. Pardon had three air balls last night shooting with the right hand and that's just doing a good job in the Sky report. Pardon's a really good player. Pardon is going to get his there's no getting around it Pardon will get his because he's very very good but he had misses last night that were in part scouting report induced in which they followed the scouting report which made, which I think made a difference Vic Law has struggled and Vic Law did something at the end of the first half this is a veteran senior player who's been around the block He's a good player. I like Vic Law as a player. Good inside-out player, handles the ball well. But he's in a shooting slump. As I said in the pregame show last night, he had been 7 for his last 37 coming in. Last night he went 3 for 17, so now he's 10 for his last 54. But he did something last night that for a veteran to me was incredibly inexplicable. At the end of the first half... Northwestern has the ball. When the clock creeped under 30 seconds, I then said, You can take the two for one off the board. Northwestern's not going to do two for one, obviously. So the clock's going down. They get a shot. They miss the shot. Well, it turns out Northwestern gets a second chance at it because they get the ball quickly back out on the rebound to Law. And now they can hold for one if they want and get to the locker room either down two, tied, or up one. And he fires a three right away and missed it, and Penn State got the rebound and went down the other end. Right. What? Yeah. I said, if you want to know why coaching can be such a maddening profession, a completely maddening profession, that plays the personification of it. Where if it is a freshman or somebody who has not played a lot and they're put in a situation out there where you're looking at time, score, situation, and they misjudge it because they're just not used to it no matter how often you have practiced it. Okay. But when it is a veteran who's played a lot the last five years because he had a red shirt, He's played a lot the last five years. He has practiced a ton the last five years. And I guarantee you, Chris Collins, like every coach, goes through situational basketball. And to take that, knowing that, hey, whoa, they're going to turn the shot clock off. We can hold for the last shot. We can hold for the last shot. And remember, Penn State's got the possession arrow. So the one thing you don't want is for Penn State to have a two for none. And he takes that shot. I even said in the air. I said Chris Collins is going to just light him up in the film room over doing that. Because I mean that's what makes coaching such a maddening profession. Chris is a really good coach. He's a really good coach. Good guy. And you know darn well they went over this and over this and over this and over this like for the last four years. Went over this. Didn't just go over it in the practice leading into the game. <laughs> and the first chance he gets, we're now, boom. Okay? Shot clock's off. Hey, okay, we can hold for one. We can make sure it's not a two for none. And he ends up giving him a two for none because he fires up a shot that made no sense. From a guy that's not shooting well. He ended up with a three for 17 night. He was seven for his last 37 coming in. So maybe that's the kind of guy you want to sit down and go, yo, Vic. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to know why coaching is a maddening profession, where something you have emphasized over and over and over again and when the moment comes, they don't do it. That's what makes it maddening. I realize I'm looking at, you know, with the, with the Northwestern side because it's for every coach. I mean, even Duke. I mean, you think Sheshewski just like kicks back and crosses his legs the entire game? <laughs> Looks to me like he's yelling at guys too. They're not doing what they what he wants. Of course the talent level's so high they can get away with some of that stuff too. But they hit 80 of the last ten free throws. I thought Penn State's defense was not just good. It was great last night. Lamar Stevens, the best defensive game I've seen him play. He played really well. Mike Watkins was live from the get go. I thought Josh Reeves did not play well the first 25 minutes. I thought the last 15 minutes he let the game come to him, and he did a heck of a job. Roger Bolton was three for his first six in shooting, including a couple threes. Huge. He missed his last eight, yet played really well because he was distributing, making good decisions. Jamari Wheeler scored seven points. Yeah, he missed free throws. But he ran the team, I thought, pretty well. Did a good job there. Took his opportunities when he needed it. Myron Jones came off the bench. Gave them legit minutes last night. Rebounding, running a break, hitting a three. Now they're at Ohio State on Thursday night at 7. All right, we'll come back with more no one Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 to 15 in Hummels Wharf. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today. Tim Johnson, Big Ten Network on Penn State-Ohio State wrestling. In fact, this is the Penn State-Ohio State week. The Lady Lions play at Ohio State tomorrow. The men play at Ohio State on Thursday. The wrestling team is at Ohio State on Friday, and so it's a Penn State-Ohio State week. Um, uh, TK Troy asks, how does Isaiah Brockington look in practice? What about DK? That's uh, Danil Kazakin." A lot of good developments there. Thank you. All right. Um, actually, we talked about Isaiah Brockington on the talk show last week with with uh, Patrick Chambers. Uh, Brockington is a left-handed player. He's out of Philly and transferred from St. Bonaventure. He is really quick, shoots the ball well. I think he's a good defender because of his quickness. And I think he will step in next year into the Josh Reeves role, and I think he'll play it really well. Uh, I What impresses me, is he's a better shooter than I thought he was going to be. And great first step drives, and he's been incredible on the scout team because that that's what he's been playing as a scout team. Uh, Daniil Kasatkin is uh, getting better. He's a very good offensive player with a very good shot. He has a really good shot. And at 6'7", he sees the floor well, and he passes well. Now what he's going to need work on is going to be foot quickness and that's where it comes into play with him as a defender. He needs to be a better defender and part of that is he's going to have to he's going to have to be really good at film study because he's going to have to gain a half step just on anticipation because he right now is not quick enough. We'll see in the off season. Whether through strength and conditioning and speed programs, where he can pick up that extra half step, but I mean, to me, that's the weakness for him. I think he'd be the kind of guy right now that would go out there that would get points. But my, but I, my issue with Kasaka would be is that not only would he score, okay, that's great. I think he'd give up points right now too. So that's where they both are.
0: Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's
1: Steve Jones. That's going to be an important show tomorrow uh, that Mark's going to have because women do need to realize that the signs of a heart attack for them are different than the signs of a heart attack for a man. So listen to that show carefully tomorrow. I think that's that's a fabulous show they've got. Yeah, that's actually the start of several
0: up. guests that we're going to be having on uh, throughout the month as we team up with the cardiac team at Evangelical Community Hospital. And actually, if you if you go to WKOK.com, you notice we got a portion of our website now decked out in red. And actually, now if you go to our Steve Jones show Facebook and Twitter, we've got that decked out in red too. All about heart health. Now lots of free events uh that you can take advantage of right. that Evan is putting on this month. And we have all that laid out free, easily to find on our Rock Red page at WKOK.com.
1: All right. Tim Johnson, Big Ten Network on Wrestling. He's he will be on the call on Big Ten Network Friday night when Penn State wrestles at Ohio State. We'll get Tim's take. Jeff Byers will be here on Friday. Penn State Coaches Show, Patrick Chambers tonight, 6.05 to 7. Then we'll follow that up with Jersey Shore Shikalimi Wrestling with Steve Williams at 7. President Trump will deliver the State of the Union message at 9 tonight. And Bob Sochi tomorrow with the State of the Patriots Union tomorrow from Boston. The play-by-play voice of the Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Let's bring in Neil Kulong now from USA Today. Hello, Neil. Great to have you with us again. As always, it's
2: great to be here. Thanks for having me,
1: guys. It's always great to have you here. Well, as usual, we have to start at a very familiar spot. Once again, Antonio Brown has made sure that the news finds him because it sounds like he helps create the news.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he he really went out of his way with this one. I mean, you couldn't find... Um, a player in the NFL with a bigger target on his back right now with the hot button issue in the NFL and to be even associated with that um, really doesn't, it doesn't bode well for Brown now. I mean, it, it, I, I've had a different impression of what I thought the team might do um, with him before about three hours ago. I and mean, granted, um, his lawyers already come out and said uh, it was nothing. There were no arrests or charges or anything like that. It, you know, according to the lawyer, at least uh, their take on it was something that, that was trumped up, um, not exactly um, fitting with what uh, the report um, that TMZ broke uh, earlier today came out with. But it sounds like he was involved in some type of domestic issue that uh, the police were called on. That doesn't mean anything, but I think right. at this point, even the even the impression that he was involved in any type of impropriety is not going to bode well for. Uh, his future in Pittsburgh, and with that, um, you know, whatever team that would want to acquire him is going to have to to take on the weight of that as well, and that that might really limit the market um, that he has, and it's really just kind of a crazy situation, and I guess um, nothing really surprises me anymore. Who knows what's going to happen next?
1: No. No, nobody does. Uh, How much of a tip-off, say they don't move him for a while. How much of a tip-off will be what the Steelers do in free agency? Will that give us an indication about what they're thinking?
2: Um, I don't know. I think that's a good question. Um,
1: it's about time. I mean, how I'll, many years have, how, how many years have we done this? I finally asked a good one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. If, if we count uh, the, the uh, pending decision with Le'Veon Bell regarding the transition tag as a move in free agency, then I would say yes. Otherwise... Um, you know, a lot of it is going to depend on who's available. I mean, you know, yeah. it, I think it, it's probably going to be business as usual in terms of who they would want to pursue in free agency because I don't really think the market is going to be all that great. I think there are a lot of fans that want any cornerback to be brought in, and if he makes more than $9 million a year, they're going to be happy. I, I don't think there's going to be a cornerback out there that's worth $9 million. I think there are teams that yeah. are going to have to spend – uh, in order to kind of keep their you know, their uh, image uh, around the rest of the league at the point where people think that they're actually taking it seriously. <laughs> but I don't think there's one that's good enough to justify that that's going to be available in free agency. Uh, I could be wrong. You never know who gets cut. A guy like Joe Hayden suddenly becomes available. The Steelers jump all over it. They, they've shown that they'll do that. But that's right. Jadavian Clowney, is he getting into free agency? I highly doubt it. But it, overall, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be the best free agent if you if you qualify a player with the transition tag as reaching free agency, which I kind of think that it does, and I think that's what the Sealers are going to do.
1: Okay, uh, so that, that's what you think they might do when it comes to Bell, and then obviously the idea is that you know, you've got to move Brown. One thing the Patriots have done, and I pointed this out earlier in the show, and I'm sure you're listening the entire time, uh, so <laughs> that this is a draft that's probably very heavy from the middle of the second round to the end of the fourth round the Patriots have been able to acquire between rounds between picks 32 and 106 picks uh, which indicates to me that they give them the option if they want to trade up and do something they can uh, where do the Steelers stand on picks are they just a, a pick every round because that's usually about where they are
2: um I don't want to say that. I know that they didn't get any compensatory picks. Right. Um, it, it's it's hard to remember all of them. There are a lot of little deals that come into play. I think they've given all the picks they were going to to Cleveland for that Justin Gilbert trade. I think that's been exhausted. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I probably one in each round. I would say it's probably close to that. They certainly don't have more than one in, in the first through fourth. So what, um, what does that's, that? What that's does that? I could see changing as well.
1: What does that then do to their flexibility in your opinion?
2: Um, it, it really depends on what they're looking to do with the players that they have. I mean, uh, obviously the Antonio Brown potential trade situation, or even the Le'Veon Bell trade situation, uh, could change that. And I think right, if, if okay. they really feel this class is um, outstanding if it's particularly strong in how they define a second through fourth round pick, they might try to make a move that, that might get them another pick. And now considering you know, who knows what's going to happen with Antonio Brown outside of the fact that he's probably the most hated player in the league across, <laughs> across the NFL... Um, his value might be only a third-round pick now. I mean, it, it really kind of depends on how they want to shake it out, but certainly this isn't a team that's afraid um, to to go into a draft with what they have and walk away just with those picks. They, they don't feel that they have to make moves all the time, and when they do, it's, it's going to be for a specific player. They don't look to, to stockpile picks. Uh, they don't often trade down, uh, given the, you know, whatever it is that they have in front of them. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like you do. I, I think it's a stronger, second round than it is the first round. They're at 20 this year. If they were at 28 again this year, I could see them really wanting to get out of the first round, but I think there are a lot of teams that are going to be thinking that now, so maybe that's an opportunity for them to move up. Um, They they haven't done that in a while. I I think it... certainly would help um the the public relations efforts they have to face (laughs) right now with the players they have i think you know fans would really be excited about moving up into the early teens to a high level defensive player if they feel one's there i I think they'd they'd look really long and hard at that option i think they're going to need to here pretty quick uh
1: the job that they've done with the draft have you seen the last two years a change in philosophy with how they're viewing players, like how do they view the combine versus how they are now looking at, I don't know, I guess for the lack of a better term, guys that are actual football players?
2: I think they've gone, really this goes back to, um, I I think this is going to become a red-letter date in Steelers history, the Jarvis Jones selection at 17. Um, Jarvis Jones is pretty much by all standards and measures the opposite of what they've drafted ever since then. Yeah. Um, I think there's something to that. I mean, you, you can make the easy argument that it's coincidental, but and usually you want to take you know athletic guys in the first round. But the Steelers have, have clearly put an emphasis on a combination of a certain position as well as athleticism. You put both those things together. That's the commonality between Ryan Shazier, Bud Dupree, Artie Burns, JJ J. Watt, TJ Watt, and mm-hmm. uh, Terrell Edmonds. Um, They they played a position of of specific need. I think you could argue that for each one of them. And they had certainly a a noticeably higher level of athleticism in comparison to their peers. The only exception to that probably being Burns, but at the same time, he's a good athlete. He's not a a freak athlete like a Dupree or a Shazier, but he's a good athlete and he has um, excellent size for a cornerback whether he can play the cornerback position or not. I'm not sure that really factored all that high into their decision, but you're drafting 25th through 28th. You don't necessarily get uh, the opportunity to take a great football player, but um, the the, the rarity of the player, that, that elite athleticism length, the kinds of things that you can't coach—that's really kind of what they've looked at. And Shazier is really the only exception to that, being that he was a, a, a premium player in that draft, at least in my opinion, and, and justified yes. by the fact the Steelers took him at 15, and the Cowboys wanted him at 16 that year. So I, I, there was a market there for a player of his ability uh, that high. I don't think they took a player that was, you know, a, an outstanding can't miss guy at that moment at the pick they took him at uh looks like Watt probably you know is the the best among all of them um Dupree I wouldn't necessarily call him a miss but he's not a great player Burns I think it's safe to call him a miss um he's in he might even be in a contract year at this point Edmonds did some things he kind of liked. It's early to tell, but he disappointed you a little bit as well. He might have been the most raw out of any of them, but the the commonality, again, is that athleticism. And I think that's what they want to find. I think they'll have a better chance of getting that um, at 20 compared to where they've been over the last couple of years.
1: All right, now it's been, I don't know, 15, 14, 15 months since Ryan Shazier got hurt. As an organization, what kind of road are they on, on the way to healing because of the shock of it but also where are they in terms of positionally because that's a position i'm sure they felt they didn't have to even think about whether it was a free agent or a draft for a few years
2: no and that's something too to to give um anyway, I, I i've ripped keith butler i've ripped mike tomlin the, the lack of uh significant progression on the defensive side of the ball is palatable i mean there's nobody that can take that away um You know, from the the franchise as a whole, it's a fair issue that the team has. At the same time, it's really hard to act as if Ryan shares, as if the the cliche, you know, next man up thing really applies to guys that you were clearly going to invest uh, a long term deal in and basically give him the keys to the defense. He was going to be the next to, to legitimately attempt that legacy of Steelers linebackers, and he was well on his way to do that. The fact that he wasn't in there is as stifling to this defense as any other, you know, fourth quarter blown lead that they've had over the last two years. Um, He was a significantly important player on that team. I'd argue top three most valuable on that team. To lose that and replace it with John Bostic, with Tyler Medikevich, with Sean Spence, it's beyond even worth talking about how big of a drop off that is and the only thing they could do last year in the time frame I think that they had the, the one year that they had was sign a guy um, like John Bosick, who yeah. you hoped would be kind of a complimentary player but that's what Vince Williams was Vince Williams had gotten complimentary player contracts um, Without Shazier in there, a lot of things didn't work and haven't worked. They, they've tried to do the best they they are able to with it, but the reality is they lost a significant uh, player in Shazier, yeah. and it, it's it's really unfortunate in in many ways. Uh, despite the the positive news that we're hearing about his recovery, it sounds like it, it's um, you know it, 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 he's got a great chance of living a, a normal life, which yes. I think in and of itself is a miracle. So right. um, it, it's great for that. But as far as the Steelers defense goes, they'll never get past that. You just you, you can't get a player. Um, you know, they probably got to steal, and all things considered, where he ended up going. And I, I think at 15 today. Uh, a, a player with his size and his instincts—I think he's going a lot higher than that um, in today's draft. So to lose a guy like that with your highest pick in a long time—it's—I it, it's, yeah, don't think that gets fairly represented within Steeler Nation as a, a cause of their significant problems.
1: Where's the NFL right now? There was a point, obviously, in the first—let's be fair—ten, twelve weeks of the season, where this is a high-flying league. Kind of, you know, it would remind me. You're younger than I am. Of Some of the old AFL days, hey, load it up and fire it downfield, and let's have some fun with the thing. And then down the stretch, defenses started playing better. And no offense, but in my opinion, I don't think the NFL had a great public relations week uh, down in Atlanta in several different aspects. They canceled a couple of press conferences. Uh, I I kind of felt the the whole thing was sloppy down there. Where is the NFL right now?
2: Well, so here hear a couple um, key points, and I'll start it off by, by saying I really hope that my boss isn't listening, but I, I've talked to him five or six times during the week, and he was, I wouldn't say upset, but he was kind of wondering why our traffic was where it was. And I kept telling him, this is a boring Super Bowl. Yeah. Bottom line, and it, I'm not trying to come off as a Patriot hater, because this, this is just really the truth. People are bored of the Patriots. There is no story they could tell in two weeks leading up to it, about Tom Brady, about Bill Belichick, about any record that they're chasing, we've heard it all. They're always in this game. It, It was a long time ago. Peyton Manning was still playing the last time that the Patriots weren't in the Super Bowl. There isn't anything else you could tell about them. And they're playing a team that the majority of NFL fans didn't think should even be playing in it. You put those two right. things together, it's a recipe for down ratings. I saw anywhere from 5 to 7% lower than than what it was the previous year. Yes. That doesn't seem like a whole lot, but that's a noticeable chunk. Sure you know? is. 2% is nothing. It, it, you put all those things together, I think you had a, a very low, um, low storyline Super Bowl. I think the star power was lacking. Um Anything that you might have had with the Rams got burned out a long time ago and eliminated with the fact that, well, officials really kind of impacted the game that they won. Right. I'm not going to get into who should have been playing sure. or, or whatever, but the reality was that happened.
1: No, but you're People talking. weren't going to forget that. You're talking perception.
2: Yeah, I think that the optics issue of the biggest game of the year for the NFL hurt them in a lot of ways. And then let's put on top of it, this was the game in which uh, the, the combined. Differential between season average and points scored was higher than any other Super Bowl that, that's ever been played. Yeah. Uh, these are two teams that were known to, to be able to score points, and neither of them did. Um, I, I, not to be that guy, but I went on this, this segment last week, and I told you this was going to be a, a, a Patriots route largely because the Rams match up terribly with the Patriots. Yes. I, it, it, that game did not surprise me in the least. And it's really just because Jared Goff is not all that good of a quarterback and they were down a huge mm-hmm. weapon, you know right. cooper cup was a a, a significant is um, a significant part of the offense that Agreed. That he gave them a, a, a balanced dynamic that they don 't have without him in there. they couldn't afford to lose him, so with that, Goff had to win the game on his own and if you think that Bill Belichick Ooh. isn't sitting back in his chair, you know just Laughing at the ways that he can screw this kid up, yeah, and you know. that—that's basically what he did. I mean, it was—it was kind of a dull game in some ways. I like defense; I really enjoyed what sure. the Patriots did to him. It was fun to watch, you know, in, in that regard. But the average fan wants fifty-four, fifty-one Chiefs versus Rams, and they got the opposite of that. So you put all that together, and I think the NFL as as a whole um, has the opportunity to try to sell a defensive product. I'm not sure that they will considering the amount of young offensive coordinators that were hired and and owners that clearly are making the decision to hire uh, these younger offensive minds as head coaches because they know hiring him as an offensive coach and hoping that they succeed. If they do, that guy's getting a head coach job the next year. So you, you pretty much have to give him head coaching jobs now. You all want Sean McVay, even if Sean McVay can be beaten by Belichick. The NFL's biggest issue is they got to find a way to not put the Patriots in the Super Bowl next year. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So yeah.
1: um, it's well look at it, it, look at well look at the NFL 100 commercial. How does the NFL 100 commercial end up? Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley running into your screen. What's emphasized there? Wasn't it dumb yeah, Sue?
2: That was, was more than anything. I was curious how they put all that together. I thought Oh, that was great!
1: Was oh, great. At, at, those guys were in different locations, you know.
2: Yeah, they had to be. Have, you put them all in the same room filming.
1: Some of them, well, some some of it was done in Los Angeles all together. Uh, they did the Russell Wilson part and the Patrick Mahomes part in Orlando.
2: That's great. That Pey- part cracked me up the most. I love
1: that. Peyton Manning. Was, Peyton Manning was not available originally. Changed his schedule. Found ninety minutes of his schedule, and he flew to LA to do his part.
2: Yeah, I bet they just begged him to, you know, not not to take anything away from Peyton Manning. But he's always been, except the except for the Budweiser comment. After winning the Super Bowl, I don't think there's anything that Peyton Manning has said no to the NFL over. Right. You know, he he carried that league for so long. I've always contended, too, the the fact that Manning retired and the fact that Manning played one more year as a a rag arm backup quarterback, (laughs) I I think that contributed to the decline of interest in the NFL as much as anything else. When you didn't have, you know, this this bronze god of a quarterback, um, most marketable athlete of the time, you didn't have him playing. You know, like you remember Peyton Manning playing anymore. It right. just kind of makes everything seem, hey. you know, a little more realistic. And, and that, the, that's not as fun. That's not
1: what we it, want. It, and see, that's why I think deep down, if you were to talk to the NFL, how badly they wanted Patrick Mahomes in this game, that's the guy you're talking about.
2: Yeah, they they need that probably more than than anything. And I, I I don't think you can change the rules or anything based on that. Holmes is is 23 years old and he well, just don't. rightfully won an MVP, one that he should have won unanimously in my opinion. He, he's he's going to be back there. I I don't think they're going to have much of a problem with that. Um really more than anything. I I wouldn't, you know, I don't think Brady played poorly, but he didn't play all that great either. You know, no. it really kind of makes me wonder Uh, where he was physically going into that game. The first pass he threw was (sighs) stupid. I mean, I I couldn't believe he threw that. It was like, what are you trying to do? I mean, even two years ago, your arm wasn't going to be strong enough for that. that that's, a, that's a rocket. I mean, yeah. maybe he watched too much Mahomes. I'm not he, sure. He might have. <laughs> he, can't, yeah. he can't hit that needle the way that he used to. He put it, you know, probably where he should have, but the defender was right there. The yeah. defender had all day to climb and, and, and knock it away. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to see what Brady will be like next year, but they desperately need that young blood, exactly what you talked about. Yeah. You know, Mahomes throwing it to Beckham, yeah. um, you know, Barkley making plays at the end. That type of thing is what they need to that's, emphasize next season you know and i i think that they will and i think fantasy can still kind of carry some of the water with that but um because the end the
1: the end of it was the going forward part that's why i thought that was interesting barkley running that's the going forward part uh will you watch the opening game of the alliance of american football this weekend
2: um i will i will yeah me too Um, I know what I'm going to see, unfortunately. Oh, I I'm just don't. kind of more curious how they produce it, yeah. um, what, what type of product they're trying to show. Um, you, you've got ex-NFL guys involved with it, so you, you hope at the very least... Um, they're you know in tune with what viewers really want, but not in a Vince McMahon kind of way. You know, it, it, let's <laughs> let's see football. Let's not oversell it. Let's accept the fact that we know that this is at best a, a double A team That's for the right. NFL. That's right. Let's let's take a look at the storylines of these players, where they're coming from, and let's see what you know. I, I would look at it more like a developmental thing. Let's huh. let's talk about it from an X's and O's perspective, uh, technique perspective. Who's got a shot at the NFL and why? If they, I think if they kind of sell it based on that and not try to replicate the, the NFL's desire to have every game end with a touchdown pass, if they just try to sell football in the way that it's played and at the heart of the guys that are still trying to play, Anybody remember, anybody who played high school sports really remembers practicing for football games, if, if you really enjoyed that, there's probably something wrong with you. Nobody, <laughs> nobody really liked football unless you were really good at it. You know, After a while, it's just kind of like this sort of stuff. If, if they emphasize that these guys out here are really playing for something, if they're doing it for the 10 bucks a game or whatever they're getting in this league, yeah. y- y- it's compelling theater in that way. I think if they, they try to kind of produce it that way, it'll be interesting, but um, I don't know. I, that, that's, that's really what I'm looking for. I, I can't imagine there's more than maybe one player in that entire league that will even get an invite to a camp anywhere. So it's not really about the football itself. I think it's just more an alternative to to see how they would do it in in the shadow of the NFL.
1: Well, that's in part because there will be a few of these guys that we see over the next 10 weeks that actually will end up in the NFL because the NFL is going to watch them closely, very closely, to see if maybe there's a guy that they can put in that 40-45 to spot that they think can help him because they've shown in competition eh, okay. they can do it.
2: Okay, yeah, fair enough. Maybe there's a kick yeah. returner, maybe there's a gunner, somebody like that. Yeah, you somebody know, like he, that.
1: It's going you know a guy could be like a 6th or 7th defensive back, maybe uh you know the 23rd wide receiver or something. But I mean, you know, they'll look at him and just like look, there are players you know, from other rival leagues that ended up in the NFL that uh, I mean, even he hate me. Yes, from the XFL fame. Yep. Playing
2: yeah, the kick, NFL. Kick Kick return. Play in the yeah.
1: NFL. Neil, thanks so much. Great to talk with you.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys.